Gen Nation, Kenny Kim here bringing you another Fantasy Golf Generates podcast this week for the Mexico Open. As usual, I am here with everybody's favorite Canadian, Tyler Tambaline. Tyler, what is up, my friend? Kenny, what's going on? We're back. Little break. We're back. We got the Mexico Open. We're going to talk about that here shortly. But before we do, I want to remind everyone very quickly, this show is brought to you and presented by PricePix.com. If you haven't yet done so, go over to PricePix.com. Use promo code MMN. Get yourself a 100% deposit bonus up to your first $100. Kenny, disappointed, man. My guys, I always bet Davis Riley. I always bet Nick Hardy. Love these two dudes. Did not bet them together at this combo play. I actually watched more of that tournament than most probably did. I know it was a week off and everyone was tuned out, but I, I kind of kind of liked it over the weekend. So I was watching a ton of the action. No sweats even. I, I didn't have the greatest week. I, I returned maybe 60% of my money, so it was not a great week for me, but... Staying tuned to the golf and just staying in check with it all it was pretty fun down the stretch overall for the break week. What'd you think? Yeah, I didn't get to watch any of it. And uh, I'll tell you why. It was sort of a wild weekend for me. I guess we're starting off with a little mini story time. Um, so on Friday night, I was at a buddy's house. Uh, his nickname is The Pharmacy. All right. And so let me go ahead and, and, and preface the story by introducing you to my boy, The Pharmacy. So uh, it was a nickname I gave my buddy. I met him freshman year of college, uh, middle through uh, middle of the first semester. Um, you know, everyone knew. I mean, the, the amount of drugs that we did at 526 Lee Hall uh, at Virginia Tech uh, that year was enough to kill a herd of elephants. And my roommate didn't do drugs. So, um, you know, so I had a buddy of mine. I told him I wanted, I wanted some weed. He said, oh, I got a guy. I'll bring him over. So this guy comes over and he's wearing like, literally like a trench coat all the way down to his like like columbine-esque like uh matrix like all the way down to his to his ankles it's, a, it's a, you know a trench coat and he walks into my, my 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 dorm room and he literally opens up his jacket and it's like 15 pockets and each pocket has like a different illegal substance in it you know if you want to blow weed acid mushrooms I don't know. Just do that fucking everything, right? Uh, and so, of course, me and him became really good friends, obviously. Um, and so, you know, I gave him the nickname, the pharmacy, because, I mean, the guy just rolled up like he was the pharmacist, you know, rolled up, opened up his jacket, and it was like, you know, I just pick and choose whatever the hell I wanted. So we're still friends now. Uh, it's funny. He owns his own architectural firm, makes like half a million dollars a year. Still is the pharmacy uh beautiful wife beautiful wife beautiful kids kids just go uh his youngest just went to virginia tech this past year as a freshman uh so i'm at his house friday night we're hanging out right um you know uh, we're watching tv uh uh he goes into the kitchen and he has you know all these edibles and stuff these gummies and stuff um uh, laying on the counter so i'm like hey i'm gonna have some of these gummies uh, he's like yeah go ahead go ahead so you know i grab these they look sort of small I was like, oh, these can't be bad. This is like a three in a pack, right? Three are in a pack. And I was like, these look pretty small. I'll just go ahead and eat all three. Uh, well, he comes back from the kitchen, and he's, and he's like, wait, wait, which one did you eat? And I showed him the package. Um, and he was like, uh, yeah, that's not THC. I'm like, what the fuck do you mean that's not THC? It's a gummy. He was like, yeah, well, that's LSD. I was like, what the fuck do you mean that's LSD? So I guess each one of these gummies had three hits of acid uh, in in each one. So I basically had like nine hits of acid. I haven't done shit like that in 25 years. Um, so basically, I 
I was fucked up for like 18 hours straight, for like 20 hours straight. I didn't sleep. I didn't eat. Uh, I was basically like in my room in the corner in the dark for like 18 hours. It was horrible. Um, so I didn't get to watch uh, any of uh, <laughs> the golf uh, this week until Sunday. Uh, Sunday around like three o'clock, I started feeling somewhat normal. And I ate these like Friday around four o'clock in the afternoon. Uh, and so, yeah, I, I, so I ended up watching. It, it was just a crazy weekend. And I just couldn't get focused on any type of golf. And it was fine because I only had like five lineups, uh, you know, that I did. I took the week off, but I did end up watching. Um, I didn't even get to watch that much of the uh, of the Zurich. I saw a little bit, then I forgot what happened, and my mind is still not one hundred percent right now. I mean, make sure it, it was it was definitely a weird, weird weekend. Um, but I did watch, uh, so so it was good. Riley, Riley and Hardy won. I didn't bet them. Uh, they well, they went crazy on 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 Sunday uh, on the alternate shot, the hardest part. Uh, good for them. Do they get a tour card? For that i don't even know yeah there's a bunch that comes with it that's kind of what it is someone asked me to deal with the money i, I forget exactly how the breakdown well, i mean works, but, but the, are, do they are they good for the next two years the bigger setup is yeah remember this was the ryan palmer effect where it was always like rom carries him on his back the idea was okay. like this week let's say fitz gets his brother alex a card and gets him set for whatever like that's kind of what's more important the bigger thing is with these two is obviously i think you know everyone expects both of them to win an individual event as well on their own and i'm sure they both will still at some point it's just so hard to win on tour so you take the wins that you can get but it was some incredible stuff down the stretch out of them the canadian combo taylor and hadwin were getting the job done like they were five six holes ahead and people were like making oh they might be in this thing and everyone else was like no there's no way because you got hostler and clark you got uh, who's the other one? Oh, Mitchell and M. Mitchell really let Sungjae down. My well, goodness, I mean, you know, you know, Sungjae gained like 14 strokes total for the week. I and, do know. Uh, Mitchell lost like three. So there was like a 17-stroke difference between those two guys. 72 on Sunday, lose by four strokes. I mean, they they were in yeah. the mix the whole time. It was pretty sad to watch, actually. I was kind of cheering for them a little bit. The If you weren't watching throughout the week, again, you may have watched, Kenny, and you just don't remember or know. It's possible. It's happened, possible but... that it was on my TV at some point in time, but, but I was not focusing on basically for, anything. For, for you and others who may not have seen, like some of the best content, I think Baroff, our guy, friend of the pod, Ryan Baroff, tweeted it out. was like, this content is the best. The, the Sungjae M keith mitchell content going back and forth talking about uh like him trying to decipher sungjae speaking in korean what his, was good about his game and then him talking about sungjae being a georgia dogs fan going on about how he, you know he taught him about football and sungjae had to remember oh it's quarterback he says quarterback he remembered quarterback. what the position was <laughs> the two of them going back and forth was just incredible and if you went and looked up the story i know many had asked and maybe people don't look into this stuff i'm obviously trying to find out every little tidbit but said that basically he'd wanted to play with him for a while and then it like didn't work out because Sungjae, I forget if he was playing with Benny Ann or whoever he played with and Keith Mitchell was with Brant Snedeker and anyway he said finally got the chance I know they made like a I don't know if it was like a spoof or a parody of how it happened like he left a note for him in the locker room I don't think that was actually it but the kind of was the setup they got talking and when Keith Mitchell found out he could play with him he called him a legend he's like if you get to play with a legend like Sungjae he's like you're definitely signing up for that so uh, incredible combo came out of nowhere could have got the job done but hardy and riley get it done two guys i always bet never bet as a combo i know some others around the community did bet them so shout out to them lots of lots of winners i saw still on twitter that had just that that combo as one of their bets this week hostler clark 
looked pretty good. But there's some guys that we'll be able to talk about this week in this field and bring us some of that stuff over. Other than that, though, Kenny, not much else for me. Yeah, I mean, I watched I watched the end of the uh, the women's uh, major, yeah. which was good. Uh, Ebron was yeah, uh, solid Vu, playoff there. Vu Did you watch Liv? And, yeah, what, what I didn't Liv? watch. I, I didn't watch it, but I saw the highlights of Kepka's. Um, I mean, it was. I don't even know when it was on. Like, was it on TV? Like, did they show it live? Was it a replay? I have no you gotta clue. Have, like, you got to have the uh, apps. You got to have all that yeah. stuff. But I do know, uh, just of no. It was the crowd was amazing. Yeah, but again, like some of the stuff, like that one was to me was so funny because everyone, like all the live accounts, and now I'm taking sides on this one. I haven't been in the past. I've been sort of side to side on this thing, and just look, it exists. We get it. That's why we talk. We're not picking it. But the the most tilting or the you know most annoying setup was the live accounts being like, oh. I thought nobody wanted to watch this good of golf. And I'm like, no, they're in Australia who's absolutely starved for golf, needs the content, wants to watch. Like, this is the most incredible thing. They have a player who literally took down Rory McIlroy at the Open last year to win a major and won the players last year. They have everything going for them right now. And then Greg Norman himself being Australian brings an event there and live itself brings it there. Who cares who brought it? My point is, it wasn't like the game changer for live that now this is going to be the world's biggest thing. If a, you know, I couldn't think of a great example. It's definitely Kenny, a positive for him though. It's still a positive. Yeah. I'm just it's saying if people positive. act like this is the massive turning point. If Antarctica all of a sudden gets a Chick-fil-A and they've never had one, Chick-fil-A is going to be pretty fucking busy the opening weekend when it gets there and people are going to go there and it's going to be great. A year from well, then, it's probably not going to be the biggest thing since sliced bread because now they have it and are used to it. It's just, that was the thing. It was crazy. It was awesome to see. The fans were nuts. I made the joke because it was Taylor Gooch who had once said these crowds are like Ryder Cup crowds. This was probably the closest thing they've had on live. Definitely, I think, to Ryder Cup crowds. So maybe that is where he thrives in the big crowds. But in general, um, you know, that is why the reasoning that it was like that. Live Golf Australia, like it was nuts for the crowds. Yeah. But I mean, you can hate on live all you want. The whole one was pretty cool. That was, was pretty great. cool. That was pretty cool. The whole one was awesome. I'm not hating on that. I'm saying the accounts that are acting like, oh, see, we told you people would come out and watch. Like, no shit. In Australia, people came out to watch in droves. Like, that that was going to be the most obvious thing of all time is all I'm trying I to mean, say. I mean, we but all yeah. knew it was going to happen, right? I mean, it yeah, wasn't like exactly. it was shocking, exactly. right? I mean, it wasn't revolutionary. We all, yeah, we all knew that was going to happen. I, I, how much it helps live, who knows? Uh, yeah. I'm sure it helps live in Australia plenty. If they had more events there, it would probably be a bigger deal. It probably uh, should. If yeah, they want to make money, I mean, too. it looks yeah, like it's a market I mean, to make money. Yeah, Maybe you should do that. But yeah, it, yeah, it was good in that sense. But overall, again, like you, you nailed it there. It's what we expected. Yeah. Uh, uh, so, I mean, yeah, but personally, I basically took the week off. Plus my little mishap uh, this past weekend made it so I didn't really even pay attention to golf at all. Uh, I only had like, I only put like five lineups, um, you know, in there. So, I mean, it, it was nice to have a week off. Uh, Could have used another one, but we're back. We're back this week for the Mexico Open. Before we get into that, let's go ahead and look over our Listener League winners from last week. Campbell, let's talk about our Listener League real quick before we get into the winners. Go ahead. Yeah, I'll talk about that. Also, you may have just you may have just come up with the title. I know we get that at the end, but Kenny's little mishap, and then people want to know what it is, and then find out it's Kenny taking nine hits of LSD, thinking yeah. that it's just standard edibles. Wow, that's some incredible yeah. stuff. So I like that one. Uh, real quick, before we get into our Listener League winners, we had two this week, by the way, and different lineups, but... Want to talk about it quickly because DraftKings stays in touch with us on this. You guys know that we've been trying to push to make it bigger. The Masters was incredible. Everything went well. Obviously, this past week, we did not fill. It was 606 out of 750. We knew to lower it, but in the end, it just wasn't the best week. People didn't want to get in, whatever reason. That's fine. But we talked to them again, so they're going to keep it at 750. 
for this week. It's already posted out. You can find it on my Twitter. You can find it on the FG Degenerates Twitter. It's already there. They will put it back to 1250 for next week if this week fills for, for Wells Fargo. Wells Fargo, obviously a big event. It's a designated event, elevated prizes, all that stuff. And there's already a Mega Millie in the DraftKings lobby for 2222 for those with that bankroll. Or this week, I suggest you get in some of those satellites. Find your way in there that way. Maybe 37 bucks can get you a ticket, something like that. I love playing it that way. But they will go back to 1250 for next week if we fill for this week. After that, it'll probably go back down to 1000 or whatever it ends up being for the Byron Nelson. But if we fill all three in a row, they've committed to going to 1500 again for the PGA Championship for the major, just like we had at the Masters. So something to keep in mind, Kenny, but definitely this week it's key to start it off that we get this one filled. So 750 spots. I think there was 300-ish taken when we recorded the pod. I'm confident that it's going to fill up this week because people get out of the team mode, vacation mode, more content, all those factors, but it's up and ready, running, ready to go. You can register now, $5, 3 max, as always. All right, so the Listener League winners were New York Giant Fan 56 with looks like a Lawrence Taylor avatar uh, and the Flash. 09010, uh, no avatar uh, for him. They tied for first place. So this week we'll have a four-man uh, with both of these guys. So New York Giants fan had uh, Wyndham Clark and Bo Hostler. Of course, they finished in third. Um, they were 13% owned. Nick Hardy and Riley, the winner, they were 6% owned. Uh, Hadwin and Taylor, who finished in second, they were 10, 11% owned. Brandon Todd, Pat and Kazire, Finished in 26. They were 3% owned. Thorbjorn Oleson, Thunder Bear, and Hogard, 10% owned. They finished in 32nd. 32nd. And Ben On and SH Kim. Uh, they were uh 71. They were what? 33% owned. Wow. Um, and finished in 13th place. Uh Tampa, what do you think of this lineup? Yeah, they look like it's like it looks like a 3v3. I was just trying to look at it. It looks like I think. If you look at it, it's, uh, you know, the other guy has Xander, MJ Dafu, your boy. So we'll talk about him later. And then Hoffman versus the Olison combo, uh, Todd Kazire. And then looks like, I think, Clark Hostler. No, Hadwin's the same. Hardy. Yeah, the Hardy. Oh, no, 2v2, actually. Or, or looks like 2v2. So either way, uh, overall, just to, to talk about it, I mean, nothing really to think about the lineups. The, the craziest part to me, Kenny, is that they tied. When you think of all the stats and all the things and everything that goes with it to have that separation to see, I mean, if it was the same but, lineup, cool. But yeah. the tie with different lineups is sort of wild. Well, you think on the week where it's like the smaller player pool because of it, like at least that. But yeah, pretty incredible stuff to have that um, set up there because they both had Anne, they both had Clark Hadwin, so it was just the the Hardy combo. Okay, so the Flash zero nine zero one zero did not have the Hardy Riley combo. They had um, Hadwin Taylor, so they didn't have anybody. They didn't have the winner, which is crazy, too. So, yeah, just the way it goes. But anyway, I want to shout out MYG Fan 56. Not to separate them. They're both great. They're both in the Tournament of Champions already. But MYG Fan 56 is the man. Dwayne, you can find him on Twitter. I think it's – I don't know what his at is, but Dwayne Calendar. He's an incredible dude. Met him at King of the Beach last year. He's just an awesome guy. He had a great week. Won almost 65K. Always love wow. seeing him do his thing. He grinds almost nice. every sport. He's in the fields. Like he's just a, a low key crusher. He's always in the, in the YouTube chats, things like that. This guy is just an awesome dude, man. So shout out to MYG fan 56. Congrats as well. Of course, to the flash zero nine zero one zero 
amazing lineup, incredible stuff to do it without the actual winner. And to get up there, you'll both be in the four-man this week. You're both in the Tournament of Champions because of this. So you both get a shot at the end of the season. It'll probably be pretty good. Things have been pretty good around here. We're giving away stuff. We're going to have another contest for you guys later on leading up to the PGA Championship. But it starts this week for some more giveaways for Millie Maker tickets and things like that. But not much else to say, Kenny. And the lineups are, are awesome. They were both separated quite nicely. But just to say that they tied is pretty incredible stuff when, uh, you know, one doesn't even have the winner. And it's just the way it goes. But fun stuff overall. All right. So let's get to this week. Uh, the PGA Tour heads back to Mexico for the Mexico Open from Vedanta Vallarta. Uh, I'm just going to call it Double V. Double V is a 7,500-yard par 71 with four par fives, five par threes, and a drivable par four. Pretty wild right there. Uh, this Greg Norman-designed course should be a scoring paradise as long as the wind doesn't get too bad. Uh, last year, even on a day with 30-mile-per-hour gusts, a couple of golfers shot 63, one of them being Tony Fina. Uh, if the wind is light, expect the winning score to be in the low minus 20s. Uh, if the wind picks up, the winning score should still be in the high teens. Um, the tour recently played another Norman course for the Valero Open at TPC San Antonio. This course, definitely a little bit different than that, even though both are Norman designs. From what I've seen, courses that could compare uh, to Double V are going to be uh, a Puerto Rico, um, Corrales. Those seem like pretty good um, course comps uh, for this week. Uh, off the tee, golfers are going to see large, wide-open fairways without that much trouble surrounding them outside of water. Uh, this and the length of the course should lead to this being a bomber's paradise. Uh, last year, we saw seven golfers in the top 10 that were high up in driving distance for the week. Uh, on approach shots, golfers will see above-average-sized greens with a bit of water, uh, a lot of water, and sand surrounding the greens. Like I said, there is a good amount of water on this course, sort of reminiscent of like almost like a Florida course with the amount of water that you're going to see. Um, the green regulation percentage is going to be decided by the wind. Uh, if the wind is light, golfers should have target practice onto these slow pass palum greens, uh, which are usually going to be 11 or less on the stip, uh, which usually have some give to them and aren't normally rock hard. Uh, if it's windy, you'll have to move up around the green play in your model. Uh, the weather looks to be the main defense of the course. Uh, basically, what you need to look for uh, in golfers is length off the tee with solid mid-iron play, and putting usually evens out on past power between good and bad putters. So ball striking, length, and birdie makers is something that you can look at with good mid-iron play. If you're going to take someone short off the tee, make sure that their mid-to-long iron play is strong. Tambo, what are you looking for? Yeah, I'm going to go a different route here because you covered it well. I mean, obviously the scoring factor you talked about last year, we saw Bombers come out to play and for the most part, things like that. We'll talk about it when we go through the tiers, but I did want to bring up one thing because it got brought up on Twitter today, Kenny, and we talked the strategy piece and all this stuff. And I know, you know, the pricing, like we, we just talk about this so often. So Rom this week finally gets the boost. We see a 12K golfer. I mean, people said finally got the boost. Like he was 11.8 at the players when he WD'd. That was one of the strongest fields in golf. Now, the problem isn't that. The problem is this. And I tease that, man, he should be a week. You know, we see him at 12K, but it's a week we should see him at 15K. Unfortunately, some took a little more, you know, not that they took it this way. It's not wrong. I'm just saying, unfortunately, they can't really do I don't think DraftKings can do that because the problem is the stone minimum price being 6K. We can talk about that. That's, I think, where all this lies. Again, he probably could be 13. That would be fine. Who cares? I know people are saying we all play the same game, same prices, deal with it, whatever. What Where this comes into play, though, I think, is the factor of the ownership. So last year, I believe it was either this event with Rom, obviously, or 
a, an event that Cantley was at. One of the two was like the highest owned of all time. Sky will have it. I'm sure Skyhope DFS, Skyler on Twitter, everybody follows him for the ownership. But either way, Rom is like 45 to 50% at this event last year. Obviously, we know what the end result was. He pretty tight on Sunday, but he did get the job done by one and he got the win. So there's that. But just in general, that's where the problem lies, right? It was, oh, he should be 20K. I teased he should be 15K. They can't because the, the pricing at the bottom. I'm just saying this is a little bit of hope I'm having, Kenny, for the game long-term on DraftKings, the dynamic, the pricing, all those factors, is that instead of having 40 guys, $6,300 to 6K out of the out of the whole field, why not just take, I said, take your hand off the easy button for a minute. Don't say, oh, they're all shitty golfers, throw them down there. They're the same. Open it up. Let's go to 5K. Let people make decisions in certain spots where it's like, okay, if I roster a 5K guy, and he doesn't come through, and he only gets me 18 DraftKings points, but it might get me these five guys that could still do it. It would bring a fun dynamic to it without having to change anything. They just have to open up the pricing structure, and then you could get a guy like Rom at 13K this week or 12.9 where it makes sense. Right now at 12, and the way things set up with how shitty the bottom of this board is, it is what it is. But I do think we still see Rom at pretty high ownership. There will be some narratives and stuff, which we'll segue into in a minute that people will go one way or the other on it. But it's just my thoughts, Kenny. Like, I don't know if you have thoughts on the pricing. It is what it is. It's the pricing. But that's kind of the challenge when people say, oh, he should be 20K because he's three to one. And in, in that field at the players, he was 11-8 with a super strong field. But the, it's the dynamic of the pricing. The players also had guys in the 6K range that were legit golfers. So what, what are your thoughts on the pricing? Anything you think DraftKings could do to be different in this spot? That's the way it used to be. Like the first year golf DFS yeah. was. Uh, pricing went up to like 14k and went down to like 4500. Uh, that's how it was, and they they totally changed that. Uh, probably 2016, uh, around that time, uh, after a year in, so they must have changed it for a reason. I don't necessarily remember why. Uh, so you, so I don't know if they could bring it back to how it was. I mean, what it comes down to is we all play the same things you know what i'm saying i mean yeah uh, he, he probably should be more but this is where we're at this is how we have to go about our strategy for this week and for cash i think you can't avoid john um as 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 one of your cash plays uh you know i the odds of him having a top five finish are very very strong i mean <laughs> uh i don't know what what the odds are but i mean i would put them at like minus numbers not positive of the finish top five i don't know i don't know uh if he's three to one uh to win you would think he's like minus 100 or minus 110 to the top five but i i i think you i think you need him in cash and i and i think it's not that difficult to make a cash lineup because there are some decent golfers uh in the mid to higher 7k range that you can use now for gpps like what's the What's the ownership percentage for you for you to not roster John? I think it's going to come. Is down there to a it. number for yeah. you? Um, it works a little bit that way. Yeah, I would say this. Like this is how I would sort of throw it out there because this has, was another. It's actually a good another. I mean, we're into it already. We're in the top tier. We're talking John Brom. People know what it is. We're getting into this. But just to bring it up from last week, it, it was another thing that was brought up. Kenny, I thought it was a good conversation. On Twitter, like I said, I was a little more invested last week than normal, even though, because I'm off, I'm not working much right now. I'm doing this pod. I'm doing the show with Mayo on Wednesday, as most know, two free shows. But 
just in general, the thought was brought up last week, and I'm going to use this example, then relate it back to Rom. But last week was the uh, Benny Ann SH Kim 7,100 bucks. They were 28 to one or 25 to one in some places to win the tournament. And they were 7,100 on DraftKings. And the obvious truth is in a vacuum, in a matchup bet, whatever, when they're coming in at 30% ownership, there is tons of guys around them, tons of teams last week, I should say, around them that you could go to at like one-tenth or one-eighth the ownership. So obviously that is the math. That's where people dictate it from and say, well, it's an easy fade. Go ahead. But the argument was made, well, hey, I see some sharp players out there. I think it was like Drew Dinkmeyer, Whistles Go Woo, uh, maybe Osimo, some other top players that had 40% of this of this combo at 30%. They still got overweight or they were trying to get around field and just came in that way. And someone said, that can't be a terrible play if these guys are seeing it that way in their stuff, whether it's their simulations, their numbers, their odds. You just talked about math. Like Rom this week is almost 60% to top five is where the books have him at. So just to bring that back here, that was my point is when people say that, that's in a vacuum. That That's meaning that combo team last week versus the seven or eight teams around them probably is pretty bad when you just say one-to-one. But in on DraftKings and in DFS, we have to pick five other guys to go with it. And that's where the roster construction comes into play and the ability to roster someone at the field where everyone else will just say, oh, you're just paying the rake. Not necessarily because you don't know how they're actually putting their lineups together. For example, this week, going back to Rom, if you play Rom to the field, this week, most will say it's bad. Most all, all interfade, Rom. You have to do one or the other. That's what people will say. That some of the top players will lock him. Some of the top players will completely fade him. And some of the top players will have 65%. Who's right? My point is what it comes back to is what if someone is playing, let's say Rom is 50% owned this week. And somebody has Rom in 50% of their, or, or sorry, in 40%, let's use in this example, of their lineups. They're underweight. Oh, what a bad play. You should have just faded him if you're going to do that. But what if their 40% is all leaving a thousand bucks on the table and still having good lineups or whatever it may be? I'm saying there's ways that they could play their ROM differently. Where remember, a lot of those ROM lineups this week at 50% or 45% will have other of those in a vacuum plays I just talked about, where you have a bunch of mixed high ownership guys, not great lineups overall. I know Nelson Adcock that runs Cut Sweats has done a bunch of this stuff lately, showing like the EV over his simulations going in people that are putting their lineups in quote unquote good over his simulations and then how they're running is kind of funny to see against that because we play this games of ups and downs, but that's my point of the 45% ROM lineups. Not all of them are going to be good lineups or quote unquote plus EV lineups. So someone could, that's a really good player have 40% ROM this week and be in great shape, even though they're underweight ROM and they're not all in all that they've built their lineup. So they have the better John Rom lineups to beat the field or leverage the field if they're getting it in good like they think they are. Again, results to be determined. But just my point about that. So what I will say, Kenny, is in large field stuff, I got no problem playing that angle. It's not it's not like a tout thing or pick a... It's, I think if you play it that way, you can get away with it and do it properly. But I think where you really have to watch it this week, Kenny, and make a decision is in like small field, high dollar stuff where he is going to extrapolate even higher. So instead of the 45%, you're likely to see him at 50 or 60 because the projection sites are going to jam him at those odds. A lot of what the projections are dictated from are from the Vegas odds or the things we talked about. There's no way around it. You could lower his projection by 10 points and he's probably still going to show up, meaning in the high dollar, smaller field stuff, it probably makes more sense to try and exploit it, exploit it, sorry, and just hope that you have it set up where he has a bad week because who knows, it's John Rahm, it's this field, he won it last year, but 
there's other angles you could take from a narrative standpoint to say why. This year, he's coming off a Masters win. He's playing a lot more. He's already got a bunch of wins. It's hard to go back to back. Fatigue, all these things that you could say. So uh, in tournaments, I'm not going to have zero. In large field, or sorry, in high dollar small field, I can definitely make a case to build your best non-ROM lineups, not John ROM lineups, non-ROM lineups to find your way to get different against those. Long-winded way of, of going about it, Kenny, but what are your thoughts on John Rom? How do you do it? What's your process? I, I mean, I'm going to play him, and I'm probably going to be around 50%, but the thing I probably have to do when I do my lineup generating and stuff like that for my 50 lineups is I probably can't have, like, another – I can't, you know, somebody who's, like, tw- the second-highest-owned golfer in the field who's 23% known. I, if I have 40% of him uh, and Rom, and, and those two are, like, my highest two-owned guys – that probably will wouldn't give me the leverage that I need. Am I right, Tambo? So, well, that's again, it's all re- relatives. Other people think of it differently. I'm just saying to your point, you're bringing it up as a good one. That's what I'm trying to say is where people are like, oh, like last year, there was people I know for a fact that locked rum and lost money. And that sounds insane because he won, but there was different comment. Like Finau, remember, came second last year. We're going to talk about him in a second. He's in this tier. Like there was other ways around it where, you know, you had rum and a bunch of them were five of sixes that didn't cash. It's a heavy scoring week. So you needed that. So there, were, there was that. And that was some people's angle after the event, not result. I mean, it's kind of results oriented because the results were on the table, but their argument was from previous saying, well, that's why you could have faded him because imagine if he didn't win, you would have been in even better shape. I was leaning last year to the side of let's just play him. He's two to one or two and a half to one, whatever it was. Let's go all in. I've played a little bit differently since then, but to your point, that's where the challenge lies. If those John Rom lineups, then get jammed with the next chalk. Okay, Ches Reeve played better lately. Maybe it's a guy like him or, or going down the board. Let's say Steven Yeager, 8,200. He's going to be popular. Bo Hostler coming off a good week. If you start your lineup, Rom, Hostler, Steven Yeager, you're probably in a bad spot. Yes, you can still get different in three final spots and get unique, but it's not just about being unique and not duping as much as are you just that 3v3 or 2v2 away from somebody else because you've got three or four of the same guys even though you're quote unquote unique, you still have to have some sort of different differentiator or leverage to find your way to the top of these top heavy fields. And that's where I think it matters more to make these decisions, Kenny. All right. That sounds good. So, I mean, I'm guessing you're playing him, right? Yeah. Like I said, I'm not going to full fade Rom. No, it's a matter of what he turns out like in my lineups, but I'll see what I like when I get to it. I'll have a better idea on the show with, with uh, Mayo on Wednesday because I'll have done more stuff. I'll have put out lineups and built them and seen sort of what they look like and what I think I'm up against in the field, which is always what it comes down to. And more, more so than like, it's John Rump. It's like I said, the guy is three to one to win. He's 60% the top five. He's going to be in your lineups. If you just go to any optimizer from any site that has projections or anything like that, you have to make the call of how you build said lineups. And then also you have to make a decision on what you like for your portfolio and how you build out your whole set. If you do 150 or in your case, you're 50, that's still a lot of lineups. You have to make a decision on how you want to build your lineups out against the field. So I'm definitely not full fading Rom this week. There will be people that do though. Well, here's how I'm going about it. Rom's my cat, my first cash game cornerstone. And so now normally I would only do about 20% of them in GPPs, but I'll bump that up to 30 uh, this week. Uh, now with 30% of him in GPPs, which is going to be, I'm playing $250 worth. 30% of that is what 75, 75 bucks uh, plus the uh, what the 220 I have in cash. That's like 300 of the $500. So he's basically 60% of my bankroll right there. 
Uh, so, I mean, that's that's the way I'm going about it, thinking uh, about it. So I'll be underweight on him at 30% uh, in GPPs, but I'm, he's going to be in my cash game cornerstones. And then I'm going to play Finau too. I'm going to start 80%, probably 80% of my lineups with these two guys. I mean, I, I don't see why you don't want to play the two guys that are obviously leaps and bounds uh, above. I mean, could they fuck up and could they, you know – could they? It's golf. Yes, they could fuck up. They could not make their value. But I mean, just looking at this field uh, and what we saw last year and what we were looking for in golfers, I mean, they just make total sense. And I'm going to play both of them. I'm going to play. I'll have Fina at fifty percent. I'll have Rom at thirty, and then uh, I'll start the other ones with Wyndham Clark and uh, or Woodland or something like that. If we move on down, yeah, how popular can Clark and Woodland be? Because I feel like they're. I feel like they, they're they're gaining a lot of popularity just just listening to stuff uh, in the past day, uh, and especially with Riley withdrawing. Like, what do you think their ownership is going to be? Like Clark and, and, and Woodland over twenty percent? Uh, it'll be pushing it, I think. Yeah, easily. Yeah. Like you got to right. think about a standard week. Like even the fact that Rom goes to forty, let's say. I, I will say this before we move on to this nine K range, just real quick. The last Rom thing is there is enough. Like I said, Kenny narratives, I did mention already kind of, but just to rehash it, like, don't you think there is a possibility we don't see 45 or 50% ROM this year? And when it actually checks in, it's like 35 to 40 because some people talk themselves out of it where it's like the masters win, the fatigue factor, all hard to go back to back, only one by one stroke last year, all these factors where it could lean some people off it and you see 40 instead of 50. It's not that big of a difference, but it's something I'm just bringing that up. But if that's the case, all I'm saying more so is that that pushes to these Clark Woodland Hoygaard, those type of plays in this range. It looks like the bottom nine K range will go overlooked because people don't want to pay 9,100 for Benny, even though last week was pretty good. Rogers McNeely, those guys, I just see them playing Clark Woodland, Finau, Rom, maybe Hoygaard, and then drop down based on the betting market too what I saw coming in today. Yeah, I like Benny on a lot. He's probably my favorite GPP play uh, in this 9K range. And if he's going to be low owned, that's even greater. Uh, you know, uh, just, just looking at him, he's gotten a lot more consistent uh, here recently. I think he's made six or seven cuts in a row. Pretty good finishes uh, there. He, he played well last week with SH Kim. Uh, you know, his ball striking is the best part of his game. Uh, I, I like Benny uh, a, a lot. Uh, in this range and you know he's sneakily long uh you know i mean one of the one of the longer guys in this field i think top 10 top 15 uh in this field in the last 50 rounds really good on longer par fours i think there's i i can't remember off the top of my head but there's like either four or six par fours that go from 450 to 500 yards so there's going to be some length and he's one of the best out there i like betting on a lot at that price uh, and then the thing is, it, it keeps a lot of options open if you do go ROM uh, up top. If you go ROM and like Woodland or ROM and uh, Wyndham, I mean, that, you know, I know it's only like five, six hundred dollar difference, but that makes a pretty big deal when it comes to picking your last golfer, uh, you know. And so uh, I, I'm a fan of Benny uh, in this price range. What about you? Yeah, I, I like the Benny call. I mean, Patrick Rogers has been playing better. He actually played well here last year also. So I got no problem with that. Again, those would probably be the two popular guys if people go down in this range. I just, like I said, I see a lot of the ownership congregating up top, Gary Woodland or Hoygaard and above. Those two would be the ones that stand out if it goes there though. 
but just in general, like you said, sort of some of the stuff too. Uh, one thing that's to, to note too, Kenny, like the the scoring aspect we talked about off top. There's going to be scoring. There's the par fives, the long, the drivable par four, all that stuff. We saw it last year, 64s. I think there were some 63s out there, even things like that. But I think only three people hit the all four under 70. And obviously Rom was only 17 under to get the win. So it's not like it's the, you know, you're not getting a 30 under birdie fest here, but it's kind of how the scoring leans out and how it sets up. So you still see those higher scores, but just on DraftKings, but just in general to note, you got to have four good days of golf. A lot of these other days, you know, guys had 73s or 72s, things like that. When others are putting up 64s, that's where the quote unquote ROM factor comes in of being able just to drive, like go so good over four days. That's usually his best advantage. One big thing about this course is the wind. And from what we've, uh, what I've heard is it doesn't usually pick up till about two or three in the afternoon. And it's pretty much calm beforehand. So when you have a morning tea time, uh, the first couple of days, my guess is you're going to have to really score in those conditions. Yeah, you got to uh, score in your window for sure. Yeah, yeah. In that in that window on the first day when you play in the morning, I mean, first round leader bets should be morning bets this week. Is if that's if the information from what I heard is correct. I mean, we've only seen this course one time, so take it with a grain of salt. Uh, but that's what they say. The wind really picks up between two and three o'clock. It's about a mile away from the coast. It's actually right by a river. Uh, uh, and so it's still about a mile away from the coast. So it's not like right there. Uh, you know, it's not like pebble, uh, or something like that, you know, where it's right on the fucking ocean. Uh, it's still about a mile away from what I, what I've been told two to three o'clock. Uh, I think I saw it. I'm trying to remember which Twitter feed I saw it. I, I, I apologize. I I can't remember. Uh, but, uh, you know, that sort of makes sense. And that's when the wind really starts to pick up and you just got to get your your window your timing done uh you know pretty well and get your morning scoring done uh on the day that you have morning tea time i guess yeah keep, keep an eye on the weather because you said that but it is so funny and i don't have it from last year but it's I, i'm guessing you can literally tell because what i do remember from last year was it was like five of the six i think i saw it was the top first round leader and it's so funny if you go look like aaron wise 65 on thursday 75 on friday you go down a little bit. Martin Trainer, 72 on Thursday, 65 on Friday. Grayson Murray, 73, 67. Chez, the opposite, 67, 71. Bird, 64, 70. It's so it's so distinct on all these guys that it's basically like you said, you got to score within your window. So if on Wednesday, and again, Mayo and I will do it on the free show here on Mayo Media Network, going through it on Wednesday, we'll look at the final weather that we see. Check that show out because if we see an advantage there at all it's definitely worth pressing just based on the, the short history we have because it's usually an angle anyway. We always talk about it for a reason, but in this scenario, it definitely looks like it's a real thing. So uh, other than that though, Kenny, I'm with you on sort of the same guys. Obviously Wyndham Woodland will be popular for a good reason. I bet Hoygaard at 40. I think it was Feinberg posted it out early there today. I checked it out. I know Bearoff was on him as well. Others that liked him. So I really tailed just on that one. Uh, speaking of Bearoff, it's the third mention now. I've given him extra props today, but he mentioned... Uh, he said, we got to bet Gary again at this week at 30. And I just sent him the, the gif says, you, you got to bet this guy this week at 30. That's his dude betting Gary Woodland. I don't have to bet anything. I'm not in on this Gary train that looks like it's never going to come true. But uh, there's other guys here. Like I said, Patrick Rogers, Benny, and then whatever you want to do with the guys. I don't know what, like Taylor Pendrith or Norin. I don't know. Like, I, I think I just like these other guys around them Pendrith better. Playing, Mav, I want to roster Pendrith, but he's playing so bad. Well, I was going like, to say I, that, but but I was going to ask you, because so usually you got to 
usually got a take on Mav. What, what's your thought on your boy Mav this week? I don't know yet. I mean, like, I don't think it's uh, been much know, better, right? Like, here's the here's the thing. Like, he's the best putter in the field. It's past Palum, which usually tends to bring putting closer together between bad putters and good putters. You know what I'm saying? Like, at least that's the feeling that I get whenever we they they play on past Palum, where it sort of neutralizes uh, uh, really good putters because I mean, because first off, it's so slow, uh, and you know, and it's not that undulating. Uh, you know, it's not that difficult to put on these greens. Uh, so I, I, I don't know. That's his main thing. I'm never really a maverick guy at this price. I just can't get on board uh, at this price. I'd rather play Wyndham uh, up top. I, I think he just has a better game with the good putter. You know, I think everybody um, would though. I mean, at least yeah. you gave me. You actually funny when you talk through it there and then say no. You talking through it actually gives me a little slight interest because I was kind of in. It's like, what's the difference between, I know, I'm using like more of the, the tournament plays between like a McNeely and a Pendrith. I know Pendrith and his team there came 13th this week or whatever, but to me, just looking at a one-to-one now back to individual, I kind of don't mind the McNeely call, but Rogers would be the guy that interests me again. He played here uh, last year and went 66, 69, 66, and then just had a rough day on Sunday shooting a 70 when others were shooting 63, 63, 68, 64, stuff like that. So just keeping it in mind going off of last year versus this year, bringing some of that up. Uh, the one thing I will say, though, this last thing, too, Kenny, like last year, Rom, Finau, Kitayama. This is kind of the big thing about Kitayama now. And we talk about him as sort of being, they call him, you know, the project and how close he was with, what was it, Rory, Xander, and Rom were like the three guys that beat him. And he, he now gets to the Elvin, sorry, gets the, um, yeah, the Elvin off the back, gets, gets the job done. So either way, the point being, going back to it now, uh, Davis Riley just got his win, Cam Champ. Rom, Finau, Kitayama, those guys that are up there, like that's the other thing just to, before we go to the 8K range of this 9K and above, it's, you know, a week where people say, oh, you can go to some long shots or get on the outside Rom market, all these things, take some chances. It's just so very likely that the winner's up here that I feel much better too. If you're running a tighter pool on DraftKings this week, I want to take more stands down low and take a shot on some of these guys up top because it's just much more likely to me that this is where the winner comes from this week obvious with the market and the odds i'm saying more so building your DraftKings lineup so this is where those two v2s can come into play and i don't mind being uh heavier exposure to these guys up top and then just taking my stands when we get down to that 7k range later on all right let's get down to this 8k range i like the guys on the bottom a lot i like sh kim uh you know coming in uh with a good finish with uh benny on this past week and i think he finished 15th of valero which is another uh uh Greg Norman design course. If I'm yes, it is another Greg Norman design course down in TPC San Antonio. So I like SH uh, a lot. Uh, my second cash game cornerstone is going to be um, MJ uh, MJ Duffy. I'm just going to call him, and I think that's how you pronounce it, anyways. Uh, MJ Duffy at eight thousand dollars. The guy has length. His long irons are strong. Three top twenty fives in his last five outings. Um, I'm a fan of this guy. I like his length. I think it's going to be really helpful. Uh, this week, so he's going to be my second cash game cornerstone. Uh, go ahead, Tam. Who do you like in the AK range? I'm still dying over here thinking about something I just said, so that's why I was kind of laughing and smiling. I said, "Get the elephant off your back." It's the elephant in the room, and get the monkey off your back. But when it's been that long, and you were that close, it might have felt 
like an elephant on Kirk Kitayama's back as he was trying to get that W and get over the hump, if you will. But I was I wondering before... what you were snickering at. I thought I said something stupid. So I was like, no, oh, no, no. Did. It's there was the other time I said something about the iceberg, and you were like, that must be a Canadian thing because I never heard that saying in my life. And we, I think we literally named a show after it, but I forget what it was. But I had that one wrong as well. This was just as bad, but kind of funny. But yeah, th- this AK range is good. I think there's definitely options here. They're, they're, they're also similar to me. I think Steven Yeager stands out. My guys that usually stand out, Aaron Rye, Bo Hostler, Steven Yeager. You know, some of the other guys, though, up the middle. Smalley played really well here last year. 66-66 to open it up. Clearly, there was some sort of weather last year when we looked at the disparity in those scores. He's the guy that played pretty consistent right through and then even had a decent final round to find his way up the board. So I think he's interesting in this AK range. I think you can take shots on guys like a Ben Martin. And then, I don't know, maybe uh, maybe my guy Mayo might be happy this week when I say it might finally be a time where I'll, I'll say it's good to play Garrett Higo. You know, you talked about it, just if you can get the, the hot putter, anything like that going on a course like this, maybe it's an opportunity, but I still don't love him as much as some of those other guys. Kenny, anybody else here in this range or anything else that you want to talk about in this 8K range? Yeah, I'm a fan of Higo. I think I'm definitely going to play him this week. I, I took a peek at him. He's definitely long enough, and his long irons are pretty good. Uh, he's definitely someone I would take a peek at this week. If you're going down to the 7K range, I'll fill out the rest of my cash game cornerstones. It's going to be Ches Reavy, uh, who's been playing, uh, you know, a couple of, I think, 11th and 16th of his last two times out of top 15 here. Uh, the last time he played uh, in Mexico, he's going to be my one short guy. Uh, short off the tee guy because again his long iron play is exceptionally strong Uh, you know when he sort of gets hot he sort of stays hot for a little bit so I'm going to go ahead and try and ride his wave at this cheap of a price Uh, I'll go ahead and take that Uh, and then my final cash game cornerstone is going to be Ash K uh, at $7,400 I think that's my final cash game cornerstone let me double check it is it is Uh, I'm going to go with Ash K this week Uh, again a guy who makes a shit ton of birdies. Again, I think you're gonna you're gonna have your fair share of bogeys and stuff on this because of the length, but you still need a ton of birdies to go ahead and contend. Uh, so, and he makes a ton of them. Again, not short off the tee, really good from 200 plus. So, my cash game cornerstones this week are going to be John Rom at 12,000, MJ Duffy at 8,000, uh, Ches Reavy at 7,700, and Ash K at 7,400. Uh, other guys I do like in this, I like Will Gordon a lot. I bet him in 66 to 1. Uh, again, another guy who's long off the tee, good with his long irons, really strong from on longer par fours. So I'm a fan of Will Gordon this week. I like Lee Hodges down here. Another guy who's not too short, but again, really exceptional from 450 to 500 yards on the par fours. Uh, makes a good amount. And, you know, his iron game, tee to green, well above average. I, I, like, I like Hodges as well. Who do you like? Now I was laughing at you. Did you call him Ashtray? Maybe. Yeah. I, I thought you said it like three I mean, times, but it's Ashtray. It's possible. I think I, think I call him Ashkay. Ashkay. Okay. I kept Ashtray. Hearing Ashtray. And that's oh, what I was okay. trying to figure out. I was like, okay. And then he did it again. And then he did it huh? again. And I was like, oh. Well, okay. I don't even know how to pronounce it. How do you pronounce it? Is It's, well, it's either Akshay or Akshay. I don't know how it goes, but it's Akshay Batia, I think. So, I just kept hearing Ash K, Ashtray, and I wasn't sure. Maybe the LSD is still kicking in, but it, it, it we're could good. be right now. I'm feeling sort of <laughs> weird again right now, so I don't know what's going on. All right, we're good. It's all a pronunciation game. Who cares? But I do like some of the guys you said. I forgot my guy, Robbie Shelton, at 8K straight before we dropped down, so I like him. You liked MJ. I like 
Robbie Shelton there. I like your Will Gordon call. I always like my guy, Joey B. Bramlett. So I'm going to stick with him. I actually don't like, I think this is the thing about Ches Reeve. I want to save him for like the Barracuda or something where he, actually, I think he won last year there, but just get him somewhere like that. This one, it makes sense. He's coming in good. He's got the good, you know, the one good turn last year at 13th or whatever he got. But I don't know. I, I feel like this area is just loaded with other guys. Lipsky, another guy in this area. He himself, he was the guy. He's actually one of the guys that did go all four under 70 here last year. So I like him. Eric Cole. Uh, I, I like him. We've been waiting. He's shown up at some of these courses where there's some scoring, but still tougher. All the factors that we kind of mentioned. So he's interesting. Uh, Wu, Dylan, Wu. I think he's interesting. Harry Hall, you could look at. Obviously, Batia, who you mentioned. Michael Kim, gotta play this guy just for going on Twitter and calling out. He said, you think Cantlay's slow? You should see some of these other guys. I'm not sure if he's trying to get in the pip game or what. It ain't gonna work, Michael. But getting on Twitter and making some, having some fun. I, I like to it. I like Michael Kim and he's actually been playing a little bit of better golf lately. Uh, Vincent Norman, double R Norman. He's another guy, decent week last week, played him, I think in showdown on Sunday as well. Kind of liked him. So can go to, uh, to Norman Malnati Sig. I don't know. Some of these other guys that are just, you're taking shots on. I got a guy in the six K's I like though, for sure. But Anybody else here? Who else do you like in the 7K range, Kenny? I like Norman a lot, just like you. He's probably my favorite play down here in the low and lower 7K range. Again, a longer guy with a good long irons. It's basically what I'm keen on uh, this week, and he makes a fair amount of birdies. I think he's top 20 in birdies or better uh, in the last 50 rounds in this field. Uh, so, yeah, I'm a fan of Norman down here. I can go back to a little Kevin Chapel. Uh, he's made about four cuts in a row. Uh, yeah, had some. Uh, he was, you know, he's been playing better golf it looks like he's healthy you know when he was healthy all the time he was stat god ball striking god kevin chapel if he can get that form anywhere close back with no injury and no pain you know it looks like he's on a nice little bit of a run uh i can get down and at 7k i, I don't know augusta nunez sort of popped for me he's sort of been making a whole bunch of cuts being flying under the radar uh you know uh if you just look at his numbers uh again long irons and length again that's what i'm keying on one of the best from 200 plus in the last 50 rounds uh in this field you know top 35 in driving distance at 7k making a bunch of cuts in a row i'll go ahead and take a risk on him i don't know how popular he'd be either Who's uh that? what about six what's up nunez oh nunez yeah yeah. he was another guy i was gonna mention so i'm glad you brought him up yeah uh who do you like in the 6k range I was gonna say my guy, my dad's guy, Kevin Tway. Man, when I was when I had the dad content out there, he loves Kevin Tway, and this is the it just sets up well, like everything that we've talked about, what you're looking for, all those factors. I think it's definitely an option here. So again, just taking pure price play at 6,800, I don't mind it. Go to him. Um, who's some of the other guys that popped in here? Goya, we play him sometimes. Doc Redman, I like going down. Brandon Matthews finally get a bomber course for Matthews, uh, 200 to one. Another guy that I bet so far that just two guys I bet are him and Hoygaard. We'll get to that in a second. Uh, and then not too much else beyond that, to be honest. We'll dig in further before I get to Wednesday. But uh, as of right now, like I said, I could see myself just living in that 7K range and then just seeing how things shake out up top. What do you got? Uh, Brent Grant down here, the 60, what, 6,800 again, long, long irons, solid. He's really good at all three of them. I think even... Uh, I, I put a bet on him. I think 175 to one. You could probably get him two, 200 to one with a uh, five spots each way. Uh, he's probably my favorite play in the 6K range. Brandon Matthews, I like that call. He can finally pound it out there with the driver on a course where he can use that to his advantage. Um, 
Uh, I mean, maybe Martin Trainer. I know he doesn't play. You think about Martin Trainer is he sort of plays well at like the same courses every year. Like he'll miss like 42 cuts. And then like, there's like four courses where he like finishes like top 25, like every year. And, and that's just how he makes, gets his car. That's just what it feels like. I don't know if it's true. It's just what it feels like to me. Uh, and this feels like one of those courses for Martin Trainer. All right. So bet anybody else first. I was just going to say, if it turns into quote unquote, Brandon Matthews week, I'll be off him on DraftKings if that happens, but we'll see again. Haven't seen it too often this year where the 6k guys get the steam, but I do feel like there's been a heavy sentiment around. Like we just need to wait. Let's just get Brandon Matthews to a course where bombers can crush and get on him. And maybe that's what you should do. I'm just saying, we'll see if he, if he's only going to be your standard five, 6%, I never give a shit about that. I'm just saying if he turns into 15% Brandon Matthews, and that's my point earlier, Kenny, and all your ROM lineups are anchored with Brandon Matthews. It's probably a bad scene. And that's why, even though ROM is 50% and people base it off that, well, all those ROM Brandon Matthews lineups are likely bad in the sense of on paper going in. We'll see how that actually shakes out, though, with ownership. We'll know more by Wednesday. Bets, real quick for me, Kenny. Boyguard, 40. Matthews, 200. Wait and see. The one time I don't care because ROM is three to one. Uh, I like just betting the ROM market. I don't care about the without ROM market because. Just fade his ass and hope to hit. If that's the case, to get the better numbers, extend the card, whatever you want to do to each their own. There's some very sharp betters out there that are going the other way. And I understand why, because it's ROM and he could just win by eight strokes. That's what they said last year. He won by one. Anything could happen any given year. Last year has nothing to do with this year. So the point being, I don't care about waiting on numbers and stuff. We'll just see. I just don't love the field right now. I don't love the numbers on anybody in any market personally. Yeah, I mean, I went basically all bombs. I went... Uh, Will Gordon, 66 to 1. MJ Duffy, 75 to 1. Akshay, Bhatia, did I say it right this time? I, think I said it. it better this time. There you go. My bad. Akshay Bhatia, 90 to 1. And Brent Brandt, 175 to 1. All four of them with five places each way. Somebody uh, out there is going to Photoshop together a picture of like Akshay with a, a smoke and with Kirk Kitayama with an elephant on his back and then. Kenny just high as hell on LSD. And that's going to be like the, the post this week of those three things put together the theme of the week, Kenny. Yeah. I'd rather forget this weekend. Personally, it wasn't as fun as you would think it was not. Uh, <laughs> it, it was not. Um, one and done. I got Fino. So I'm going to use them. I want to go someone different. I don't know. I'm thinking maybe Benny on. We'll see. We'll okay. see. I, have, I haven't made up my mind. But that's what I'm thinking. All right, you can find me on Twitter at KendoVT. You can find my article on GupsCorner.com. Use promo code Kenny. Save yourself 30% on a membership to Gups Corner. Find me on Twitter at Totag and Tambo. The tidbits will be out this week for Wednesday. People asked from last week. I laughed a little bit for that event. No, not doing it. Barely anyone did any content anyway, so there was not much to read or pull from. But this week, they'll be back as normal on Wednesday. And then, of course, live in studio it won't be a live show recorded but in studio with mayo on wednesday you guys will be able to catch that show wednesday afternoon and then we'll see what the future holds but drop that in at the end see if there's anything coming out sooner than later for where i'll be working at but other than that kenny that's all i got for this week man good luck to everybody out there all right we had a week off we're fresh let's win some motherfucking money Gen nation
This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.